podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the newest edition of the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff and I'm Secretary of Twickenham CC. Very pleased to welcome two guests this evening to the pod, our uh, resident statistician, um, Salman Ali from North London. Sal, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Dan. How are you? I'm battling on. Yes, battling on. Um, and also, all the way from uh, deepest Somerset, uh, a Middlesex County Cricket League player of yesteryear, uh, Jamie Thorpe. Jamie, how's things? Hi, Dan. Are you right? Battling on. Yes, battling on. Um Great to have you with us, Jamie, to be honest, because we're, what we're trying to do over these, these long winter months is talk to people who have had, you know, had, a, had good experiences in the County League or, or, or had interesting experiences in the County League. And of course, you did. You were part of a, a Winchmore Hill side that won the title um, a decade or so ago, uh, but have also gone on to do um, interesting things. So I was going to ask Sal, Sal as, our, as our stats guru. Can you just talk to us a bit about um, about what Jamie J- Jamie's career looked like um, as a county league observer? What, what what would be the highlights from your perspective? I mean, I think in your introduction we should have called him a legend actually because all all the reports I get from players and having seen him bowl myself, he's an absolutely top class team bowler. I mean, in a league which is dominated by spin, um, Jamie's taken over fifty wickets twice in in, in two years, which is some achievement. Um, Scourge of many batting lineups, you know, massive part of Winchmore Hill winning the league. Um, I mean, there was, you know, having spoken to, you know, a few players in, in the league itself, there's some who really feel he should have become a professional. Um, how, you know, Middlesex did their recruiting when he was at his peak, which is something that should be asked questions of because, you know, you've got a guy taking 50 wickets on a regular basis in the league against some top, top batting sides. Um, you know, he should have been given really from what I and having seen him bowl myself as well, he was a fiery character, played with lots of passion, um, but an excellent technician with the ball, you know, master of swinging team. Um, started off at um, Uxbridge, is that correct, Jamie? Oh, was that Southgate when uh, when I was sort of, uh, I grew up in the cult section there at Southgate and then left for Uxbridge when I was about, I want to say 20... Roughly. So what prompted that, Jamie, if I can ask? How did you move across, around, around the North Circus, as it were, to, to Uxbridge? What prompted the move? So, yeah, I'd been at Southgate <clears throat> uh, from the age of six, actually, when my, uh, my mum and stepdad uh, moved to the area. And I just, it had been my boyhood club, played through the Colt section there, um, was lucky enough to be sort of uh, taken onto the Middlesex age groups at, uh, under 15. Um, and then onto the MCC Young Cricketers when I was 18. And then when I got to sort of, when I finished on the MCC Young Cricketers, it was just one of those things where I, th- I felt like I needed to almost reinvent myself a, a bit and have a bit of a fresh um, take on things and and just... I just kind of felt like Southgate, you know, everyone kind of, I've been pigeonholed a little bit um, and I just needed to go somewhere where people didn't really have any expectations of me as such. Um, and I, I can't remember the, the guy, the captain's name actually, but he was a lovely bloke. Uh, I think I'd met him on an MCC tour 
actually, and he uh, he encouraged me to head over to Uxbridge. And uh, there were a great bunch of guys actually played there for, for two seasons before moving to Winchmore Hill. And the time at the YCs then, because all strikes me as an interesting period in any cricketer's career, because it's it's a slightly left field thing, isn't it? You know, you're not necessarily affiliated to a club. You're around Lords all the time. What, what would you say you really got out of that? Was it an experience you enjoyed? Oh, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, and one that's, that no doubt has helped me uh, beyond the, the the years of just playing cricket. You know, they were pivotal in setting me up with my current career so I, I owe them a, a huge amount um, but from just a, a cricketing perspective uh, I was I was really <clears throat> I guess I'm, I was really lucky I feel to get onto the MCC Young Cricketers uh, when I think about some of the names that that played at the time that I played I, I in no way think I was uh, anywhere near the league that they were there in in terms of talent um, who, who are we talking about, Dejem? Can you name some names? What sort of guys were in the mix at the same time as well, you? Well, Ross Ross Taylor was there when I was on the YCs. Oh, uh, blimey! Current, <laughs> yeah, current New Zealand te- uh, Test cricketer Darren Sammy, obviously gone on to uh, uh, do yeah. great things with the West Indies. Uh, Will Gibman, um, who was at Gloucestershire for a long time, I actually think he he had he held the uh, a, a record of fifty wickets in a thousand runs in a in a season, uh, which I don't think's been done by by many county cricketer. Um, Steve Snell, who was also played at Gloucester, he's now the Somerset Academy director, funnily enough. Um, yeah, so there was, uh, there was some, some fantastic names in, in, in terms of who played, and um, I, certainly, uh, I certainly wasn't any of their, in any of their leagues in terms of skill and, and talent. So, um, But yeah, it sort of all came about, really, because I, uh, I was coaching... Um, at Lords uh, with the London schools and I was about 16, 17 and I was asking people how, you know, how do you become a professional cricketer? Because back in those days, you know, there wasn't set academies uh, in, in terms of with affiliated with counties. It was kind of, you might get a second team game here and there. Um, and I'd got a second team, uh, some second team opportunities with Middlesex, um, but then got told to, um, to try out for the YCs. So, Went down to Lords on a Saturday and had a bowl, had a bat, did some fielding, and uh, unfortunately at, at that time I wasn't successful. Clive Radley let me know that uh, at that time I, I wasn't going to be taken on to the the YCs, but keep keep playing and, and trucking away. Um, and then he called me up and said that there was an MCC game. Um, I think that was actually down sort of Teddington Way. And I ended up playing with uh, Stuart Welsh. He was the uh, he was the coach or assistant coach at the time, and I actually had a, a pretty good game and uh, managed to swing the ball uh, for once in my life. And um, <laughs> I hear that's the, a regular uh, occurrence, though, Jamie. I wouldn't do yourself down. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> your reputation later, precedes you there. Well, it was actually later on in my career that I actually I managed to learn how to swing the ball. Early days, I, I struggled a bit. Um, so he was uh, he he sort of reported back to Rads that I'd done pretty well, and uh, I, I got a call from uh, from Clive Radley saying that you know if uh, there was an opportunity to join the staff, and uh, of course I accepted and was over the moon. It was absolutely brilliant experience. It, obviously, I, I didn't fulfil the dream of becoming a professional cricketer, um, but you know it was it was absolutely brilliant. That I still have you know I still have friends that I played on 
played with the YCs. Uh, I still, I still am friendly with people at Lords. Yeah, you know, when we go back there now, that that I knew when I was on the YCs. Uh, and as I said, they were pivotal in in financially helping me through some courses at college, uh, which has allowed me to go on and do a university degree in physio, and that's what's allowed me to get to where I am today. I mean, that's a, that's a fascinating journey. And I, I, there was a couple of things I was going to just press you on there. First of all, I mean, lots of people give me the impression that you can be good, but you need to be a bit lucky as well. You need to you need to put in that performance when someone's watching. Um, and sometimes good players, really good players, just get overlooked because they don't quite do it at the key moment. And they might even not, they might even not know it was the key moment, quite frankly. But it sounds like you probably saw a bit of that, right? Some, some days you did things that, that Rad's got to hear about, and other days I guess you didn't. And I suppose it's a fine line, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, <clears throat> I think uh, most, uh, most sportsmen will, will kind of tell you actually the fundamentals are... Um, working hard, putting in the effort from a training perspective, a physical perspective. But actually you do need you, you do need a bit of luck along the way. And I you know, people will say you make your own luck, which I, I do agree with to a certain extent. But yeah, I think the harder you train, the the uh the more physical or, or athletic you are, the more likely you are to put those performances in regularly. Um but you know it's always you need that maybe that one performance when that one person is watching, especially if you're not an established player. Um, again, you know, I, I always remember how I, I was lucky enough to get a Middlesex uh, second eleven opportunity, um, and that was due to I remember Mark Wright was uh, was the MCC YC captain at the time, and he was just playing in a, a friendly match at Southgate Cricket Club, and I ended up bowling a pretty good spell at him and. He sort of came up to me afterwards and gave me gave me a number and said, you know, ring this guy. He'll, he'll you know, he might be able to put you in touch and get you a game. You know, so it's all all little things like that where you think, oh, actually, it is. I, I think a lot of it is 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 hard work. You know, ninety ninety nine percent of it is hard work and making your own luck. But there is that one percent where being in the right time, uh, the right place at the right time, um, and putting in those performances in front of the right people can definitely help. Yeah, I, I can totally understand. I mean, Napoleon once said, didn't he? It's better to be lucky than it is good. Um, I think you might have been going a bit far there, but I, I get his point. You do need to play in that game at Southgate against some bloke you don't know very well, and he helps you out totally. Give us a sort of an insight, if you can, into the, the Winchmore Hill side, because most people who listen to this pod, I think, will remember the spells you were putting in for Winchmore Hill when, when they were tearing the league in half and, and, and winning it. Um, so in terms of the individuals... Some, some 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 quite sort of loud characters in that side might have taken a bit of managing one suspects but what made it work and what were your best memories of it um well i i definitely agree i i think there was some some interesting characters to to manage uh, on adam's part and i i put myself in that category um i think uh, you know if you if you go through the list you know i Scott Newman, David Elaine, we had uh, Jim Gatting. Um, there was our overseas uh, BMAC. Can't, <laughs> Jeff will laugh me. I can't remember his full name. Um, BMAC was his, was his uh, nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do we have that? Tom Copperman. Um, I remember I was, oh, I was yeah, listening yeah. to um, Sasha and uh, Neil Avent on the podcast recently. You know, and he was one name that that sort of didn't get mentioned, and I thought actually he was one of the unsung heroes. Um, Josh Davy was in in and out of that team. Uh, well, no good player. Uh, 
yeah, there was Della. Um, we had Toby Sharp again, sort of. So I, I mean, I guess from an individual perspective, the the two thousand for me, it all sort of started in two thousand eleven. Really, in terms of, I, I feel like on reflection, I I'd played a lot of cricket. I'd been playing first team cricket in the Middlesex League since I was sixteen. Um, but actually, it was only re- I would say really two thousand and ten. 2011 and 12 when I probably knuckled down and was actually serious about cricket if that that might sound a little bit silly but um up until that point I'd had other distractions so um you know when I when I was younger I was trying to be a professional cricketer so a lot of my time and energy was was going into my weekly schedule around that and then when I came out of the MCC Young Cricketers I was at college and I was trying to get myself onto a university degree. Um, so a lot of my focus was, was sort of taken away. And although I was playing, I probably wasn't putting a hundred percent effort into it in terms of the training and all the other things that go along being a, a good player. Um, and then in 2011, I think it was, I moved back to North London um, to take a, a senior physio position in, in a hospital, in a local hospital. And I remember just sort of, I was actually was with uh, James Gatting, actually. I sat there and I was like, right, I want to make sure that we're, we're training hard and, uh, and properly every week. And we were, me and him were meeting up sort of three times a week, including our training and, and doing extra training and extra skill work. And he worked a lot with me on my bowling in terms of my run up. And um, we were doing a lot of drills and stuff. And actually, I'd say those, those three years, that 2010, 11 and 12 season, um, were the hardest I've ever worked from a, uh, in terms of a technical. And I think, you know, I alluded to uh, earlier that I, I didn't always swing the ball consistently. Um, it was around that time. That actually, I started to figure out how to do it consistently and how to control it. Um, and that was a big turning point for me. Yeah, that sounds perfectly sort of plausible to me. I mean, and, and sometimes it takes it takes a few years before you really realise that you're not actually focusing your efforts properly. And I think most people can probably um, think about that in their own life, let alone on a on a cricket field. Um, in, in terms of favourite players that you played against, who, who comes to mind? I mean, obviously you've played against some really good players, but sort of characters that you met on the circuit in Middlesex, any ones that particularly um, spring to mind there? So I'm trying to think, so... The, the players I always sort of remember, like I, like, I used to like playing against. I, I always used to like playing against Ealing, because um, I, I definitely was on the I was on the sort of the losing end of a lot of results against them. So when we did win, it was it was absolutely fantastic. We um, hear you, brother. You know, you're not the only one to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a lot of they had a lot of good players. They were an aggressive side in terms of the way they played their cricket. Um, so it was really, yeah, you know, for me, it was, it, was, it was a great experience if you could, you know, if you could go to Ealing and, uh, you know, and, and hammer them. It was a fantastic, yeah, you almost felt like you'd really achieved something. Um, you know, Chris, uh, Chris Peplow, David Holt, um, Ollie Wilkin, all those, those kind of, I'm sure I'm missing out a lot of names there, but um, Lee, uh, Lee Parry, I think it was. It was oh, yeah. you know, a long serious ball, players in that team. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed going and playing against them. Um, I guess the yeah I always think about it in eras as well. So so the the Hampstead the Hampstead of sort of early I think like early two thousands mm-hmm. when they had sort of Kirk Powell, Paul Weeks, um, Gary Headley had some serious again serious players. 
um, and Kirk Powell, I used to have nightmares about, yeah, because I used to bat at number 11, having to go in and face him. Um, and I think I, I, I once actually turned down runs uh, at non-strikers end just so I didn't have to face him. Uh, Again, um, I doubt you're alone. <laughs> Uh, Finchley was always good, you know. Again, up against uh, Steve Selwood, yeah. It's, again, a serious, yeah, yeah, yeah. serious player. Uh, Josh yeah. Nappett. Um, so yeah, I've got sort of. I guess I wouldn't say I've got uh, individual players who who stand out. It was more teams and yeah, a, a couple of you know a couple of key players within those teams, um, and then and then times of or in my head, sort of small eras of when, you know, we would dominate those teams and then when they would dominate us, it was so uh, some great memories sort of going back over the years, thinking about games we won or, um, yeah, or sort of good battles we've had. And in the end, that's sort of what it's all about in club cricket, even club cricket at the highest level, like you were playing, it is about, you know, doing things that you can remember for a long time and talk about, uh, and be nostalgic about, you know, these, these things do live long in the memory. Um, I was going to ask you about your next steps then, because you, you moved to Somerset, of course. Was the move from Middlesex to Somerset, was that a seamless move? Or did you, did you do something out of the game first before you went over to, uh, um, to, um, to the West Country? Uh, no, it was, pretty, it was pretty seamless. So in 2013, I, um, I, I moved out of the NHS uh, and moved into a full-time sport, taking a role with uh, Middlesex as their assistant physio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing that for a, uh, well, I did that for a year, uh, in conjunction with a role with Saracens rugby. Um, oh, and then okay. the, the job came up for Somerset and I, to be fair, I was, um, I sort of, I, you know, I thought I would have the skill set to do it, but I only had a year or so in, uh, in professional sport, although I'd worked with Middlesex previously on a part-time basis and had other experience in sport, I didn't think of myself as being a front runner for the job. Um, I was going more for the, the experience of the interview and to, to kind of almost work out where I was in my career path. Um, mm. And then was you know, fortunate enough to get that job and, uh, and snapped So was this the with, job that, uh, when you have a wonderful title, you're head of science and medicine. I mean, you know, I should ask you what to do about the coronavirus, right? You, know, you should be able to answer <laughs> these questions with that title. I'm not going to ask you what to do about the coronavirus. But I mean, is that what you were going for then? Or, or was it, uh, was so it that, so the, the original... So the original job was was uh, lead physiotherapist, um, right. which is still which is still my uh, one of my titles. Uh, and then after two or three years in the role at Somerset, I, I then took on the role of head of science and medicine. Which, to be fair, it, it wasn't a huge change in my job role. It was just taking some more responsibility of depart how the department runs, really. Yeah. Okay. So, what does the role entail on a day to day basis? I mean, through through the winter. I guess you're looking at player plans, are you? You're checking everyone's moving in the right direction. Is, is, it, is it very hands-on or, or is it more about setting bigger picture guidelines? So I think at the, it, it, so there is a, a hands-on element to it in terms of we've still got players who, so, so if players are injured or rehabilitating, um, they will be staying in the, the southwest with us uh, and working. I like that, by the way. So, so is that right? So play, players are never injured anymore, are they? They're always rehabilitated. They're always on the way back. <laughs> I like the narrative. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Oh, it's good. Um, I like that. So they will—they will always stay in the southwest with, with us uh, predominantly, um, and then will will work with us to get themselves back on track uh, ahead of 
the next season. Um, yes. So, so there is an element. I mean, as the game is is moving forwards now with a lot more franchise competitions and a lot of players, you know, as as um, players are evolving, you know, they're they're starting to play in a lot more of these franchise competitions. So now it's about uh, there is a, a bigger picture scale of managing players between the ECB, uh, Big Bash, IPL, BPL, PSL. There's all these uh, all these competitions you need to be aware of that, that players can be jumping to and from. Um, and they're great opportunities for these guys to, to be undertaking. Um, but ultimately, we want to make sure that they're their health and their fitness is uh, is maintained and that they're optimally performing all the time. So but isn't that a challenge for you there? Because you, you, you might think, right, well, I, I'm thinking about Somerset, I'm thinking about the Championship, I'm thinking about domestic cricket, whereas players might quite legitimately thinking about the, about the wedge in the IPL and they might want to be at peak fitness for that. So can there, there must be a clash at times, no, between between what you want from the, from your players, in inverted commas, and what the players quite logically might want to do over and beyond Somerset is that, is that an issue that you have to face down? Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's an issue. Um, okay, I'd say yeah. it's, I, I'd say I'd say it can be it can be challenging, and that's not um, you know ultimately I think we we at Somerset we're we're very much the mindset that you know we we want players to achieve uh, achieve their goals and their dreams. Um, I don't yeah. think any anyone at Somerset would say we want to ever stop a player playing for England or to stop a player going to the IPL or the Big Bash. That's you know it, it's it, yeah, it's great that we've got lads involved in the uh, in the England Test side and the One Day side, and we've got players travelling the world in in these global T Twenty competitions. That for me, it only shows how strong Somerset is as a county. Um, but then it's yeah, working fair, with fair the comment. player. It's working with the player to then go, right, well, actually, you want to do this competition, this competition. So this is how we feel you you might be able to do that. And that they ultimately, it's the player who has to drive their career. It's the player who who wants to, uh, who's going to have to want to do those things and do the right things to be able to be available for all those competitions. So, you know, we're there to support them. We're not there to tell them what to do. And I think... That's a real key theme of, of, of our department and at Somerset is everyone is there to support the players, not to, we're not there to tell the players ultimately what to do. Oh, that makes a lot of sense to me as, as someone who has to also manage folks at work. I mean, it, I find if I tell people what to do, they generally don't do it very well. If I try and coax and cajole them and, and, and try and work out what they might want to do themselves, they tend to do it a bit better, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's taking, taking ownership of, uh, you know, ownership of your, uh, of your careers and you know i think that's uh you know from 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 our perspective we've we've got a lot of players who are doing that and and being very successful yeah do you ever turn your arm over in the nets any scalps we need to know about plenty i'm sure i have, i uh, i so i have i have been lucky enough to turn my arm over in the net um uh but i i, I don't I, I don't think it's right to say if i've got any scalps to be fair um, oh, okay. I think uh, I see. I think it's and and also as I'm, I feel like as I'm getting older, I'm just embarrassing myself uh, further. In the next. <laughs> I tell you, yeah. though, Jack Jack Brooks won't mind me telling you that I did try and uh, I did try and he was so Jack Brooks was hitting me all around the net one one day um, and laughing at me. So I tried to bowl him a bumper, 
And I realized actually how much pace I've lost in the last five years because he laughed at me. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. So I, um, I'm, I'm losing it, I think. I'm losing it. Well, you're bowling at reasonable players as well, to be fair, Joe. You're not bowling at, you know, second 11 batters on a Thursday night. You know, <laughs> these boys can play the game, can't they? So, um, yeah, they can. I've been pretty lucky. I've got to bowl at uh, a, a couple of the lads like um, Tom Banton and, uh, and Marcus Treskothic in the time. So I've, I've had a chance to bowl at them. And it does make you realise the, 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 the gulf between club cricket yes. <laughs> and that level. Well, that's not wrong. We had, a, we had a guy last year from Twickenham called Jakeshen Plaha who uh, went down on a Saturday morning to bowl at the Australians at the Oval during the World Cup. And he, he ended up bowling, to, I can't remember who it was. It was one of, one of their top water batters who absolutely throlloped it right back at him. Jakeshen couldn't get out of the way, knocked him right over, and he ended up spending the next three days in hospital. Um, and, Thanks. you know, he, he was all right. In the, I think it was Warner, actually. I think it was David Warner. And he even made the national press. Um, but he, he came out and said, uh, yeah, he, he, it's quite hard, that Warner. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no shit, you know. <laughs> he, um, but Jacobson said, you know, he was a, a very average club cricketer, but he, he did say, wow, these boys, different gravy. that They are they are ticking differently. That's professional sportsman, I suppose, yeah. for you, isn't it? Um, I, think, I think that's the, the, the difference for me. Like, I, you know, being around, you know, I'm fortunate enough in my role to be around these guys every day and watch them train. Um, and it is the, the the level that they're operating at is just out of this world. The yeah. the thought process that goes behind it, um, how the execution of the skill, you know, the, the 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 almost the minute detail that they go into about what they're trying to do and how they're trying to play something, is is just mind baffling to me. And as someone who you know, I saw, you know, I, I do love the game of cricket and I and I appreciate the game. It was it was a real eye opener for me to go, wow, these 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 guys really are operating at a different level. Yeah, yeah. I said I wasn't gonna ask you about the coronavirus, um, and I'm not sort of, but one thing has occurred to me, of course, training at the moment must be a nightmare. I mean, people can't train, can they? I mean, what are your guys sort of doing? Because, they're, they're, you know, obviously they've got to keep keep apart from each other, right? So I guess it's just individual training plans and doing what, what you can, I suppose. So absolutely. So as, you know, we're, we're very much, uh, as an organisation, we're, we're following government guidelines. Um, so um, we're certainly not an essential uh, work at the moment, especially now with the, with the ECB pushing the start date back to uh, late May. Uh, so all yeah. players were uh, sent home um, and told to follow government guidelines. And within that, they've been sent sort of home exercise programs. Our strength and conditioning coach is fantastic. So he's been providing them with uh, home equipment that they can be using. Um, yeah. Writing them individual programs as per what they need to be doing, um, along with their conditioning work that they can be doing as well. And we're just, uh, we're just making sure that they're ticking over so that when, when we are able to get back out and train, uh, the guys will be physically prepared and ready to do that. Yeah, that makes. I mean, you can't even really go for warm weather training anywhere, can you? Because the whole world's in this position, so it's not like you can whisk everybody off to Dubai or or, or anything. No, um, we had to. Unfortunately, we had to cancel our trip to to Abu Dhabi, um, which I think was uh, was planned for the fifteenth of March for two weeks. Yeah. I think there was uh, there was going to be opportunities to play games against uh, several other counties. I think Worcester and Essex were going to be out there. Um, and I think both teams, uh, well, all, all three teams that were going to be out there cancelled. 
Um, and I think most I think most counties took that stance in the end of cancelling their trip um, or, or coming home early because of the uh, the global situation. Yeah, that's perfectly perfectly logical set of decisions to have made. That's for sure. Um, Jamie, we tend to finish this uh, our pods with um, a quick fire quiz of highly intellectual questions that are going to you know they're going to cause you no end of trouble and strife. Um, Sal, do you want do you want to dive in and take the lead on this one? Yeah, go for it. You ready, Jamie? Sure. First question. Lords or Taunton? Taunton. Okay. Ooh. Mm. Intriguing. Right. Second one. The Sky Sports Com team or the BBC's TMS? Sky Sports. Okay. That's interesting. I think we've had um I was gonna say most people tend to go for the TMS, but I don't really don't really know why. Um so good to have Sky Sports getting a Getting one back in there, Colin. Any particular reason for that? Is there anything that you particularly like about that, or is it just the gut instinct? I just think that's that's what I've. Um, I, I feel like I'm used to. But in terms yeah. of a lot of the cricket I watch is uh, is on Sky, um, and probably uh, have sort of grown up listening to those guys more than anything. So it's just what I would naturally go to if uh, if mm. I had the option. Well, Nat- Nasser and Atherton are sort of modern-day equivalents, aren't they, of, of the Richie Benno of yesteryear, because Richie Benno was... Um, you, you had no choice. You got Richie Benno whether you wanted to or not. And for most of us, we want to watch cricket. You, you get Nasser and Atherton, don't you? You're very good, in my opinion. Anyway, Sal, over to you. OK, so seeing you're an exponent of left-arm swing and steam bowling, who was your favourite out of these two? Wasim Akram or Chaminda Vass? Chaminda Vass. Why? Um, I would say I probably didn't watch a lot. Weirdly enough, I didn't watch a lot of Wazim Akram. Okay. I don't know if it was just the, the, the timing of when I started probably watching mm. cricket. And, and actually, I remember a lot more series of watching Chiminda Vass bowl. Okay, fair enough. Dan? But I do. I understand that will be controversial because people <laughs> can definitely say think Wazim Akram's the best yeah. one. Well, my toes are twitching here thinking about those goddamn Yorkers. Woof. Those in-swinging Yorkers to a right-hander. Oh, dear me. It's uh, horrific stuff. Cool. Um, next one. Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. Cool. Okay. Um, so you spoke earlier on about, obviously, when you started off, you was obviously, you know, swing bowling was not something you were very sort of like, sort of, you know, new to. And as you got older, obviously, became a master of it. So would you prefer the new ball or the old ball? Oh, new ball. Okay. Okay. Um, right. Uh, it's going to be difficult for you, given given that your your job is to keep people fit and healthy. But um, fish and chips or Sunday roast? Sunday roast. I think that'd be my call as well. Sal, are you a Sunday roast man? Um. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Lean towards that. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Just on the health. Probably take both. Slightly, but... Take both. Together, uh, yeah. Taking both in, in one sitting. Yeah. Of course. At the moment, <laughs> I am. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously you've had some great success um, playing at an amateur level and professional level which stands up most winning the league with Winchmore Hill or Somerset winning the Royal London Cup last year oh oh wow that's that is a tough that's a good that one, a tough that one. I like that one oh so well I guess I, on on a on a play I, I think I have to I think that's a harsh question because one of them <laughs> was on a playing level and one of them was on a was on a sort of a, a professional working level. 
Um, yeah. Oh, that's tough. There are, there are different things. I'm we'll gonna give you say, that one. I'm going to say just. I'm going to say just for the for the sheer uh, for how big it was in terms of. Uh, you know, it, it's a domestic cup competition. The fact that um, Somerset hadn't won anything, I think, since 2001, they, that was the last time they'd won a Lords final. I'm going to go Somerset winning at Lords because it was just so, the whole day, the whole experience, the whole cup run was so memorable. Fair comment. Fair comment. Um, this is sort of a general question and a specific one in one go. Um, what was your favourite league wicket to bowl on in Middlesex? I'm going to throw up the options of Winchmore Hill or Uxbridge, or feel free to write one in of your own. Uh, I think Winchmore Hill because of the because um, of the slope. Which end did you bowl from, Jamie? So, so that was the interesting thing. So when I started at Winchmore Hill, um, I'd obviously I'd I'd come from Southgate. Uh, which has quite a, a, a slope on it as well in terms of um, downhill and an uphill. And then Uxbridge is quite flat. So when I went to, when I went to Winchmore, I favoured coming um, from the road end. So right. um, bowling towards the pavilion, which is obviously quite a, a steep slope. And uh, I remember Neil, uh, Neil Hurst, um, one of the uh, previous captains, he badgered me for years about coming up the hill and I was like I just can't do it I don't feel like I get into a good rhythm um bowling up the hill but I did it once uh I think actually against uh Finchley and I end up getting a, a six fur and we bowled Finchley up about 98 chasing 99 it was an epic game of cricket great memories of it um but actually it was from that day I then always bowled up the hill and I think that was another big thing in terms of because I ran in slower up the hill, I controlled myself at the crease a lot better mm. and actually was then able to control the ball and swing it a bit more. So definitely Winchmore Hill because of the slope and then bowling up the hill definitely seemed to help me. That's interesting because okay. I'd have thought you'd really have to force yourself to push it across a right-hander there, wouldn't you? Given where you're coming from as a left left armour, but I guess you just got used to that. And... Yeah, you, you did, but actually you'd get it to come back. Well, I found I got it to come back really late, especially right. that... It, and then uh, other clubs, LBW I, Central. I didn't feel like yeah. I, could, I could do that as well. So Winchmore was nice because you'd get this kind of real, it would start to go and then it would go really late in at the batter. You'd get a lot of LBs, bold. Yeah, yeah. it sounds like an LBW sort of delivery that you're describing there. Sam? Okay, um, so we've some sort of tradition of years gone by, I've brought up some fantastic young homegrown players. Um, at the moment, you have two on your books, I would say. So of these two, who do you think will play test cricket first? Your captain, Tom Abel or Tom Banton? Notice he said test cricket first. So we're assuming they both do. And that's not, not an unreasonable assumption, actually. I'm going to say I think both of them will play test cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can I sit on the fence for that one? He'll get there the quickest. I'm going to sit on the fence for that one because they are both, they are both, absolutely the the nicest blokes that you'll ever wish to meet um they both work so hard um and i really ho i really hope that that both of them um accomplish their goals i think they're fantastic lads um just the nicest people to work with uh, and i hope they're both uh successful tom abel was a really nice guy i met him at dinner a while back and he was really sort of friendly and 
spoke so well about his club and really good ambassador and, and a good captain from what it sounds like as well. So, yeah. You but this one, one of those things where you were talking before, Jamie, about 99% of it is trying hard, doing the right things, practising, but you need somebody to pull a hammy to give you a spot in the side, don't you? And it may come to something as ludicrous as that as to which of them gets the call, like depending on who pulls their hammy, uh, which, which place becomes vacant, uh, what type of batsman they need, and all of those things where you can't legislate for that. You've just got to be fit and ready to go when the call comes, right? Absolutely. And, um, you know, both, both, uh, both have been, um, both have been away this winter with the, with ECB. Um, and both have, have have shown how good they are and, um, how determined they are. You know, Abes is, Abes is a a natural leader. He's just one of the, he's one of the nicest blokes you'll ever wish to meet and, uh, and leads by example. Uh, and we all know what Tom Banton can do in terms of how destructive he can be. Yeah, um, ball. Yeah, how exciting yeah. he is as a as a you know as a, as a twenty year old batsman. So, I think you know I, I I think both of them will have will have fantastic international careers. Cool. That last one from me. Last question. Um, another nice straightforward one. Stokes or Botham? Stokes. Is that because you've seen more of Stokes, or is it is is that just really you know you, you're there? He's a better player than Botham. Yeah, probably because I've seen probably because I've seen more of Stokes, but I think that that innings in the Ashes just stands yeah. out. You know, I think uh, if if you're you know if you if you watch cricket in the in the eighties, you probably remember Botham's Ashes. I think yeah. that innings that 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 Stokes played with uh, obviously uh, Somerset's very own Jack Leach at the other end, of course, yeah, um, yeah. was was phenomenal. Um, and I and I actually I missed it, which was really annoying. Because uh, when we went nine down, you know, I was, although I know, you know, I, I know Jack can bat and he's a good batsman. My wife, uh, my wife said to me, well, you, they're probably going to lose now, aren't they? Uh, should we take the kids for a walk up the, the Quantocks? <laughs> well, you said yeah. yes. I, and I, and I agreed thinking that actually oh goodness, we're probably going to be, you know, we, we might get, we might get somewhat, you know, we might get another 10 runs, but it's unlikely. Um, and then I was sort of, <laughs> I was looking up BBC Sport as we were going up and I said, oh, we're about, we only need 30 runs. And then it kept going down and down. And I was like, I can't believe I've missed that. I was watching it all the way as well. And then just I left the house to take the kids up to the Quantock. So how did you explain that to Jack when you got back to Somerset? No, I just didn't rate you, Jack, to be honest. So I just went to the kids. Zone. Well, I'm sure you did not say that, but it sounds intriguing. It's a Somerset bloke at the crease, doesn't it, when that happened? I certainly, uh, I certainly, I, I, I certainly trust him. I think he's, uh, I think well, he's, he's one of the most underrated, now, uh, yeah. probably one of the most underrated tailenders in the country, actually. Um, but I think he's now he's worked he's worked so hard on his batting over the past um, couple of years, and uh, I think that that innings just showed how good he is in terms of knowing what his role was in that situation. But do you not think as well, these other innings last summer, I mean, he might, he might well have had more than two, but the other innings has now been forgotten. He nearly scored a Test 100 last summer and no one ever remembers it. Yeah. And I, I, I get that it wasn't Absolutely. against Australia, but I mean, you know, I haven't scored 90 against Ireland, and, you know, and, and nor, nor was anyone else in this conversation. So, I mean, the, the guy clearly has got something about him. I, and I thought his tweet was great. I'm sure you saw his tweet about, um, about the coronavirus again. Did, did you pick up on that one? Where he said everyone's did, got to be yeah. Jack Leach. Yeah, I thought that was a good line. Let, let the NHS be Stokes, Absolutely. you be Jack Leach. Yeah, fair play to the guy. Absolutely. I mean, for the record, I, I was sort of similar. I listened to the the whole of that last session uh, over two hours with the cricket, 
in a McDonald's in Hong Kong because it was the only place I could get reception <laughs> on my phone. And it was like two in the morning. They must have thought I was a total mentalist walking around that McDonald's, um, you know, yelling about, at my phone, which, of course, no one else could see. But there we go, the things we do to, to, to follow cricket. Um, Sal, Absolutely. last question from you, Gov. So, Jamie, it turns out you and Ben Stokes have something in common. I've been trawling through the play cricket archives, and you've also scored 135 not out in a game. So, um, of these two achievements, which one stands out the most? You took nine for 17 against Teddington, or scored 135 not out against Ali Pali in a Sunday league game? <laughs> uh, definitely the nine for 17. Can you talk us through the 135 not out? I mean, people don't, don't accidentally score 135. Talk to me both of them. Well, yeah, I think I don't think the standard was that fantastic. <laughs> if I'm scoring one three five, um, I think it was just one of those Sunday games where I I sort of said to I said to Jim Gang, I said I, I you know I want to try and get better at batting, and he gave me an opportunity opening the batting, um, and uh, I was probably just very very lucky on the day. Um, yeah, I, I if you look at my uh, my my actual league averages where there's decent bowlers bowling at me i think i average one or two so <laughs> i think that probably probably paints a truer picture of my batting ability and the nine for 17 i mean there are good bowling figures and then there's nine for 17 that's ridiculous yeah no that was a that was a good day um that was up at up at the hill playing against teddington uh, in 2011 and uh yeah it was it was probably yeah uh, it was nice to do it against Teddington because, again, they were one of the teams that I'd always kind of had memories of being beaten by. Um, again, they had some really good players, uh, James Keatley sort of leading mm. them at the time. Um, so it was, it, was a, it was a fantastic day. But I, what people don't know from that is the first four overs, I don't think I got one right. I, I put everything down leg side for the first four overs um, and then managed to get my, my line and length right and, uh, yeah, and sort of, produce that performance but uh yeah i haven't forgiven gat yet for taking the uh, uh getting james keatley out and taking the temper away <laughs> i thought you were gonna say he took the 10th wicket as well then but I, I guess it wasn't the 10th wicket was it surely no i think he got the. No. i think he got the i think he got the second one so. uh, okay yeah. and, and average how are you getting the wickets was it was it swinging the ball back into the pads again or, 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 or can you remember yeah it sort of uh it was it was the ball was swinging really late that day um and hence why i was sort of getting it wrong initially in the, in the first part and it, a lot of the balls were going down leg uh and then i managed to get sort of my radar right and uh and get the ball coming back in late so i got a, i think it was i think it was about four lbws and then a couple of bowls and a couple of caught behinds um i think like like we talked about luck earlier i think there was a couple of decisions that probably went my way um, yeah. that might have been sliding and I definitely think I got a caught behind that hit hit the guy's shoulder um, and not the shoulder of the bat uh, so well, that's where it I goes, think you always it? get you, you, yeah you get a few you get a few lucky ones here and there so uh, I don't reckon they rule out but hey it's this what this says in the school book um, Dan you asked earlier on about as you played against Twickenham actually got the scorecard up here he took 7 to 35 um, against Twickenham in the, in the league game um, All right, thanks, Sam. And, yeah, thanks for bringing that one up. And yeah, there, nice. were, yeah. there were there were four LBWs, including your main man, Mr. Nunes, leg before uh, Jamie. And what that so, would yeah. have been the championship winning year, right? Is that right? No, that was the that was the that was 2011. I think we came yeah. third 11. year, right? And that was that that was the year I think we were 
the team was sort of building towards, we'd sort of got everyone in the right positions and everyone was kind of focused towards it. Yep. Uh, and then 2012 was when it was when, when we it sort of, I think Sasha mentioned, yeah, we sort of ran away with it in 2012, but I think it was all building to, to 2012 really. Yeah, I remember Sasha saying that you won it convincingly that year. You won a couple of games to go, didn't you? Um, in, in 2012 yeah, as well. That's, right, yeah. that's impressive stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Jamie, it's been a real pleasure talking to you about about your time in Middlesex and beyond, and um, you know, fascinating insights there. We appreciate you, you, you chatting to us. Um, Sal, you wanted to come in. We, we wanted to do bits and bobs about about this coming season, right? Yeah, Nick Nick Brown's been in touch with me, the league league secretary, just some league point some pointers, obviously. Um, those of you who follow the, the the league Twitter page, there was a post this morning. It was obviously an April Fool's joke, so don't obviously take it as gospel. It's going to happen. If you do, then obviously you know read it again. You're not very if you haven't read yeah. it, yeah, if yeah. you haven't read it, join the join the league Twitter page and you can see what it is. Um, yeah. the, the the first three games have been postponed. Our deemed abandoned. Sorry. Um, obviously with what's going on at the minute, we can't uh, envisage when play is going to start. Now, obviously. Finances within clubs is a massive issue at the moment, amateur level and obviously professional as well. Um, if there are clubs who need some financial help, there is support available. So again, contact the league if you're having any issues. Um, and the final point you mentioned was that they're looking at options for, the, for obviously the 2020 season. And there is a consideration of the league extending to September. But this would only extend to ones and twos as they're aware that other grounds may not be available. Um so, yeah, so any, any issues about going to finance, get in touch with the league. They'll try and help out if possible. Um, and now it's just a matter of sitting where we are and fingers crossed that this all sort of, you know, eventually blows over and we get some cricket being played. Otherwise, you're getting bored of me, Dan and Eugene and our guests coming on every single week. Yeah. Oh, because we've got plenty more to say, regardless of whether people yeah, want to hear got, it. Yep, yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah. saying that, before we finish, actually, because next week's guest is someone that Jamie's played a lot of cricket with and this, this guy holds Jamie in high regard and I know Jamie does as well. And Jamie actually picked him as his captain in his league level when he did a, um, a interview with me a few years back. We've got Luke Stoughton next week, obviously the beast coming on. Jamie, what's your sort of, uh, why did you make him your captain in your league time, in your league team? What's he got that makes him stand out to the others? Obviously not making his head too big though. So, yeah. So Luke, uh, Luke is, uh, he's a number one. He's a top bloke. He just, he gets on with everybody um, uh, in the dressing room. I think he, he knows he knows how to he knows how to manage people, um, and I think he's he's if you were picking a team he he'd probably be on a lot of people who's played in the Middlesex League. He'd be the first man on your list in terms of Mister Reliable. Um, so hence that's why I made him captain. He's the he's the first one on the list. I think he can manage. I think he can manage um, most characters, uh, and I think he's he's a, he's a he's a lovely lad as well. So uh, I think it'd be good to talk to. Uh, on this yep looking forward to it brilliantly yep super super well we'll um we'll, we'll no doubt it's next week that luke's on isn't it sal that's right so yeah yep, next, uh, yep. next week that that's uh that's published but in the meantime jamie thanks very much best of luck for the 2020 season if there is one i think you know fingers crossed there will be um uh, and it all goes well and uh, yeah and thanks again for your time much appreciate cool thanks so much guys appreciate it cheers, cheers jamie cheers fellas bye, bye. 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 bye.